everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Lindley Ashline. Lindley falls under the media category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on how she got into body liberation work, her work in stock photography, fat phobia in the fashion and photography industries, unlearning harmful thought patterns, activism, and more. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hi, Mallory. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's a pleasure um, to be here. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Lindley Ashline. That's L-I-N-D-L-E-Y, but I don't pronounce the D because I'm Southern. <laughs> I, it's true. People will ask, and I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> as, as, long, as long as it's uh, some approxima- approximation of Lindley, I'm happy. But, uh, but I run Body Liberation Photos at bodyliberationphotos.com. I'm a professional photographer, writer, and activist. And I do a lot of work in body acceptance. I primarily work with people in larger bodies uh, from both a, um, a photography standpoint and a writing standpoint. And, uh, and my whole business is focused on uh, body acceptance, body liberation, and fat acceptance. So, so it's all about, you know, this body that I am in right now is fundamentally worthy and, and that just comes out in all these different ways. So I've got, I've got stock photography that I do. That's the photography that you see uh, in commercial uses. Like if you see on a company's Instagram feed or a company's website or blog, those are often stock photos that they have bought. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I uh, produce stock photos of larger bodies. I do client photography work. That's where I work with an individual or a couple or, or a group of people to photograph them specifically. Um mm-hmm. I, I have a shop that I run on my website and uh, like I said, I do, I do writing for writing clients and I blog and, and all of these things are tied back to this framework of body acceptance. Wonderful. So I personally know all that since I know you, I actually don't really know too much about how you specifically got into all that. So were you doing general photography first and then figured out how to apply this body liberation lens to it or was it like oh maybe I can learn more about photography so that I can do this work uh it was kind of both so I've been doing nature photography since about 2002 I think Mm. uh my first my first camera was borrowed from my college library this was the very early days of digital photography and and so the first camera that I really used for sort of hobby level photography (laughs) uh took an actual floppy disk like you put an actual oh, wow. in it and carried it around. It was amazing. The, the thing weighed like a, a thousand pounds <laughs> and it was big enough for a three and a, a three and a quarter or a three and a half inch floppy. Uh, so I would mm-hmm. carry around a stack of floppy disks and that was amazing coming, you know, for the first digital stuff. But, but I was absolutely fascinated by digital photography in a way that, you know, because I grew up with around people who did, did film photography, and that didn't really catch me as much. But but digital mm-hmm. was cool and sexy and new, and so uh, so I started doing nature photography that way, and had been carrying it sort of ever since as as a hobby, a, a much loved hobby. Um, but I never thought about doing it professionally because fat people can't be photographers. Uh, and when I when I use the word fat, I want to be clear that I'm using it as a neutral descriptor of my own mm-hmm. body uh, and of mm-hmm. the bodies of people who have reclaimed that word for themselves. I'm not using that as a negative quality, mm-hmm. but, but, 
I just knew I had absorbed from culture that fat people can be photographers who would want to work with a fat lady as their, as their, you know, their wedding photographer. So I, I never even considered it. Um, mm-hmm. It was always just this much loved hobby. And simultaneously, uh, back in the days of Live Journal, if anybody remembers that. <laughs> oh, I certainly do. I, I was a, a big Live Journal user. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I had, you know, yeah, for about a decade, I was I was very, very dedicated to Live Journal. And, and there were communities that were like modern Facebook groups, I guess. And one of these that I just stumbled across, I guess somebody sent it to me, uh, was based on plus size fashion. And it was called Fashionista, F-A-T. Shinista. And and uh, and it was all these amazing fat women being stylish and trendy and confident and living their lives and doing, you know, just being fabulous and blew my mind. Blew my mind because, you know, I had very much grown up in this paradigm of if you are in a bigger body, there are lots and lots and lots of things you can't wear or shouldn't wear. And there aren't very many things available in your size. And what is there, you know, if it's bright colors, you're not supposed to pick it anyway. So even out of what's available, you're only supposed to pick the most flattering things, mm-hmm. the things that make you look the thinnest. And so, so it just blew my mind to see these women like wearing hot pink or wearing stripes. And mm-hmm. so I didn't, for, for quite a while, I just sort of lurked and, and sort of just absorbed this amazing new uh, sort of this new framework of thought. And eventually I started doing doing my own outfit of the day photos because th- that was very much uh, in style at that time was to do outfits of the day uh-huh. and or, or OOTD. And yeah. so I started doing those and I was just sort of experimenting with the fashion. But what it actually started teaching me to do was to see my own body. Because mm-hmm. if you are not... If you, particularly if you are in a body that is not um, mainstream approved, um, mm-hmm. if you are not in a body, I mean, and, and, and everybody has body insecurities, everybody with a human body does, but, but some bodies are, are more socially accepted than others. And particularly the farther away you are from that standard, the less likely you are to want to look at your body regularly. Like mm-hmm. you might, you might glimpse it in the mirror or you might be in the background of somebody's wedding photos or whatever. Right, like, right. Like you, or you might be behind the camera because you don't want to see yourself. But, but like, we don't look at ourselves regularly. And so I was forced to start looking regularly at my own body and normalizing that. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, from the fashionista community, I got linked over to Kate Harding, who um, is a a writer who at the time was doing really wonderful uh, fat acceptance and very early body positivity writing. And mm-hmm. from there, I discovered the science of bodies and the science of why we know that uh, human bodies don't really become smaller permanently or in the long mm-hmm. term, because that's not how human bodies work, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think is a little bit off topic here, but we know scientifically that diets don't work. And I tend to be very much a, an evidence-based person. Like if you right. tell me something cool, but I want to see why, I want to know why. And, you know, I had lived all my life seeing most of the bodies around me attempting to be smaller, the people in those bodies attempting to be smaller and failing. And now I knew why. Mm-hmm. It once again, totally blew my mind, changed my life. And I started sort of lurking in those communities too, in fat acceptance communities in, mm-hmm. in And, but I didn't really do anything about it until about 2015. I was in a crappy dead end job, corporate job. 
Mm-hmm. And I had this photography skill and I had this belief framework about the value of all bodies. And I kind of started dinking around on the internet and looking at photography courses and professional photographers and, you know, see what their work was like. And there were just no larger bodies being photographed and shown on the internet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless it's for a specific thing, like maybe a very small plus size model or, or like some kind of diversity photo shoot where it was clearly like kind of token ish. Right. Um, like, Oh, look how diverse we are. We have one, you know, right. slightly, slightly larger model. Who's probably yeah. white, you know, who's probably yeah. white yeah. and hourglass shaped. So, so, so as I started thinking about photography as a business, well, it was really obvious who my target market was going to be because a, nobody was serving these folks, mm-hmm. like the people like me in, in these big bodies. Um, so clearly there was a market need for that. Um, and B, I just got really mad about it. <laughs> like we deserve <laughs> this too. We deserve this. You know, why, why is nobody serving larger bodies? Why in the photography community, larger bodies are like, hush, hush. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of acknowledged that you'll have clients who are fat, like maybe the mother of the bride. That's a classic one, you know? Right. And right. so you have these photography courses online that are otherwise wonderful but but then there will be like a whole lesson on on you know how to photograph the mother of the bride as if as if as if it's frankenstein's bride <laughs> you know right like, right like like tr- fat bodies are just treated as this you know sort of horrifying mystery in the photography community and i got mad <laughs> i said screw yeah. this you know fat people deserve to have somewhere they can come and feel safe and accepted and attractive and worthy mm-hmm. and here we are five years later <laughs> Wonderful. And I know that, um, you know, the, I know that you do lots of different types of photography work, but uh, specifically when it comes to your business and, and what to do with those photos, you do a lot of stock photography. And I know um, personally, just me from my own experience, I feel like sometimes it's not really understood, like just how many companies use stock photography, you know, pre smart glamour, pre all this kind of uh, part of my life, I I did modeling. And um, one of the ways that I built up my portfolio was doing trade with different photographers um, so that I could get photo shoots for free and then they mm-hmm. get to use photos for their purposes, et cetera. And one of the photographers that I did a trade with, um, he was also a stock photographer. So like we traded in the fact that like we did some beauty more glam shots for my purposes and then we did some stock photos for him to use and i totally knew that he was going to do some for stock photography and that he was going to sell them and that was part of the agreement um and then you know we did and then i got my personal photos back and then i never thought about it again and then like a solid maybe year or so later I get this message from a person who is you know we're facebook friends we don't talk every day and they're like Hey, um, I'm pretty sure I just saw a cardboard cutout of you. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> Where? <laughs> and he was like, um, at H&R Block. And I was like, what? No, that could not be me. Like, I didn't do a photo shoot for H&R Block. Like, what's happening? And so luckily, it was the one in Times Square. So I was like, okay, well, next time I'm in that area, I'm going to go look. So I walk up to that H&R Block that's right on, like, you know, 4th and 7th Avenue for folks who live in New York City. And 
there is a bunch of cardboard cutouts of me, like 15 of them standing together, leaned up against the window, like about distributed other H&R blocks. And I recognized the outfit and was like, oh my God, that's from that photo shoot that I did that I completely forgot about um, that, that I knew I was going to use for stock photos, but I didn't know that a company like H&R Black is buying, you know, stock photos from a random photographer in Queens for like however much a, an image and then blowing them up to be cardboard cutouts. And it became this whole thing where there was cardboard cutouts of me around at all these H&R blocks. There was one literally on the corner of my best friend's block. So she would walk out of her house and see a cardboard cutout of me. My mom went and, and hunted down a cardboard cutout so that she could get one. Um, that she had to like go through corporate to get one. So my mom oh, has one that's in her house behind her dresser. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think people, uh, I mean, I certainly didn't, even being somebody who is, you know, aware of soccer photography, had my photo taken for soccer photography, just how any businesses use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because if you um, say you work for a mid sized company in their marketing department, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's not Microsoft, but it's not smart glamour, you know, it's somewhere. Between. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, or, or really any company up to, up to very large and powerful companies. Um, you work in the marketing department and you're writing a blog post mm -hmm. on, I don't know, top 10 tips for something food related right. uh, for your company. And you need a photo of food. Are mm -hmm. you going to like, you're not going to have the budget to go out and hire a photographer to take photos of biscuits. Let's just let's say you work, <laughs> let's say you work, let, let's say you work for, I don't know, Carl's Jr. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and you need, you, you're writing a blog post about biscuits. You're not going to hire a photographer. Uh, actually, that's not, that's a terrible example because Carl's Jr. would have their own, their own yeah, food stylist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Never mind. You're working for a, a non-food related company and you need photos yeah. of food. You're, yeah, the yeah, point yeah. is that you're going to go out and buy or find a find a free stock photo somewhere. You're gonna mm -hmm. you're gonna acquire a photo of biscuits somewhere on the internet. You're not mm -hmm. going to you're not gonna hire a photographer for that. So stock stock photography is very um, I I'm gonna use the word pervasive uh, or ubiquitous just because it's everywhere. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means it's one of those things that you, it's so common you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, brochures, stand, stand ups, um, you know, cardboard cutouts, yeah. um, like billboards on the sides of buses. Um, every bank, <laughs> every bank ad you see where it's like, oh, here's, yeah. here's this hometown guy standing on the street, yep. you know, with a nice quote about our bank. That's probably a stock photo. Mm -hmm. um, so, so they're just everywhere. And there are very large uh, stock photography sites online that sell these photos. Um, Getty is sort of the granddaddy of them all. Mm -hmm. um, iStock Photo, which is owned by Getty, is another big one. Um, there, If you start looking, there are hundreds of stock photo sites. And it, and it ranges from the, the behemoth like Getty down to down to Mallory's, Mallory's photographer with the stand-up. Um, right. <laughs> but you just don't see large bodies. Mm -hmm. in these photos because and, and Mallory you're given a perfect example here because when photographers shoot stock stock excuse me shoot stock photos they hire models right and models are predominantly very thin um, mm -hmm. and often white and, and a certain body shape they mm -hmm. look like models and so what ends up happening is you end up with these stock photos where you have 
like if you've ever seen that stock photo of a a, a, a young female uh, doctor in scrubs who looks probably of Asian descent, um, and she's standing in this hallway of a hospital, and she looks like a model. She looks mm-hmm. like she's about 22 and mm-hmm. she looks like a model and she's standing in this impossibly clean hallway. And, and there's usually like, like glass windows down one side of the building, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like these are very classic stock photos or the, the classic corporate diversity stock photo where it's, um, where it's uh, three white men, uh, a black man and an Asian woman all standing behind, behind the conference table in front of a big window. <laughs> You know, you know, you've seen it. <laughs> once, and yeah. once you see these tropes, you can't ever unsee them. Uh-huh. So, so, so you have these, you have these photos that are just, they're everywhere. And they're one of the big underpinnings of pop culture. Um, and there are just no fat bodies. None. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None. Unless they are, unless they are uh, very shamey, what we call headless fatty photos. Uh, um yeah. And these are the ones or like the B-roll that you see on the evening news when there's some sort of terrifying story about obesity. Um, and it's usually it's usually like people with their head, heads cut off and their legs cut off. So it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just belly and torso. And and you can find those, but you just don't have positive depictions anywhere of fat bodies in stock photography. So as far as I know, I was the first and I'm still one of just just a couple of people even doing this work. And it just blows my mind that, that two thirds of the American population just is not represented. Right. Right. Like, like if nothing else, if nothing else, what a market opportunity, you know, you know, that's how I feel about fashion too. If nothing right. else, don't you want to make money by making clothes for the majority of people? No. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's really interesting to, to observe how culture affects culture affects capitalism, I guess, um, mm. because, because it is very clear that these market opportunities exist, but the stigma of serving that market mm-hmm. or even of depicting the people in that market are just, mm-hmm. the stigma is so strong that people aren't willing to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, when Victoria's Secret declared bankruptcy, um, I knew a lot of other fat folks who, who were like, okay, you never wanted to take my money. So bye, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I um, I did a video with uh, Crystal Bugan where she, you know, she was interviewing me, so she was asking me lots of questions. But one of the questions was um, a common question I get of like, why don't more brands make for, uh, bigger bodies and all bodies? And it's a very long answer, so I won't get into the whole thing. But at the end of it, I summed it up by saying, you know, if the people in charge are fat phobic then even if they attempt to do it, they're not really going to do it right. Because if you're a fat phobic person, you don't truly care about fat people, plus size people. You don't see them as a valued customer. So even, or a valued human being, you know, somebody with worth, somebody that you want to do market research into that you want to use as a model and uplift them in that way, quote unquote, if that's how you think about models, which is how society thinks about models. So, you know, you're going to just dip your toe in enough to like maybe get some money off of it. But you're even, first of all, not even getting the full amount of money you could get from it if you were doing it properly. Mm -hmm. You're also just not going to do it properly because you don't see those people as worthwhile. And I want to bring back a point that you mentioned earlier. You said, 
uh, you brought up that what you usually see when you see uh, stock photography and therefore models in stock photography is the mainstream approved version of people, right? And Mm -hmm. in general, in imagery, when we're seeing mainstream quote unquote approved people, I mean, (laughs) it's basically like representative of like five percent of the population because it's it's people who are you know thin and usually white or light-skinned at least um are usually tall are usually able-bodied like that combination of human being is a very small proponent of the population but because it's what everybody sees it's like we're all just subconsciously tricked into thinking that oh well that is what the majority is and that's why it's so detrimental at every level because we're just going around taking in imagery and then making our own conclusions and feelings based on what we see. And that's why representation is so important. Um, And another thing that you mentioned was, you know, uh, in general, just like not seeing fat people as photographers, which I mean, I've worked with so many photographers back when I was a model and none of them were plus size. Um, or fat and then at the same time i see a lot of models even now today talking about oh you know i i might shoot with this photographer but then you look at their portfolio they don't ever share photos of any plus size models that they take they only share photos of the straight size models and that's kind of like one of the um one of the little checks on a list of like, if they're going to actually work with, with a, with a photographer, it's like, do you actually share the photos of the fat people that you may or may not work with? <laughs> because then why, yeah. why would I want to work with you? Yeah. I have a, um, a fat friend who did something that was, that was very, for her, very vulnerable, very scary. Um, she modeled for uh, a set of fine art nude portraits. Um mm with a, a photographer in, um, in Oregon that wasn't somebody that I was familiar with, but, uh, who, who happened to be a thin white male photographer, but he, he wanted to bring, start bringing some diversity into his portfolio. And so, so they arranged this, this photo session and, and like I said, it was very scary, very, very fundamentally vulnerable for her, but it was also very, um, a very powerful experience mm-hmm. for her to do that. And, uh, you know, and to model. And she wrote this, this beautiful blog post um, about her experience to go along with the photos. And that photographer did post her photos on his blog, along with the the beautiful things she had written about how vulnerable and freeing it was to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those photos never made it into his portfolio. And not long after that, the blog post just quietly disappeared. And yeah. she, I mean, you know, how, how must that feel? Um, yeah, so so it's just knowing that there is this um, fundamental difference between what we are being shown, um, not you know not just in the media as a whole, but in these stock photos that are totally ubiquitous that we don't even notice, mm-hmm. um, and and the fundamental difference between what is shown there and what is shown you know what's all around us in real life. Um, it, not only does it show us what kind of bodies are acceptable or normal. It also tells us who's welcome. Right. Right. And I ended up writing, I know after, after watching my friend go through this experience, I ended up writing a whole ebook. It's, it's, uh, it's free. It's at my site, bodyliberationphotos.com. You can download it. Um, but I have a whole ebook that I wrote on how to find a photographer who's going to respect your body. 
and who's mm. not going to be ashamed of the photos of you that, that they take and, and who is going to treat you well and treat you equally and, and what to look for in their portfolio and what to look for on their site and what kind of questions to ask. Mm. Um, and now, now, you know, as, as we record this in 2020, there are an increasing number of body positive photographers. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, not everybody can afford to travel to Seattle to work with me. Not everybody can, you know, not everybody has somebody who is, um, who advertises themselves as a body positive photographer who is in their, their locality. So I ended up writing this whole thing on, here's how you find out. But the biggest thing is what's in their portfolio. What are they proud of? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's just the biggest thing right there. If there are, because if I, and I have had my own photos taken, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a fine art self-portrait artist. So I've mm-hmm. had my own, my own photos taken. And, you know, the first thing I looked for was, are there any larger bodies in their portfolio? Who do they, who do they want to work with? Because if I am looking, or if I'm looking at a clothing store's website, mm-hmm. or if I'm looking at, I don't know, when I, when I look for a therapist, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, if there are no bodies like mine on their social media feeds or in their you know, materials or on their website, I have to, I, for my own safety, I have to assume that I'm not welcome. And that might not be a conscious decision that I'm making, but mm-hmm. it very much tells me who's welcome. And so when we talk about stock photos um, from the business side, as I'm talking to business owners about mm-hmm. why they should be buying diverse stock photos instead of just photos that involve thin white models, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a matter of who do you want to feel welcome? What right. kinds of, you know, uh, who's your target market and are they represented? And it's such a basic thing, but there's still so much stigma around big bodies that business owners tend not to think of it either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's just because, you know, as I, as I brought up before, like, the society as a whole is fat phobic and so much of it is insidious. So much yeah. of it is, you know, it's not like people don't get me wrong. There are these people and they're, you know, terrible trolls on the internet, but, but the average person, there's a lot of people who hold a lot of fat phobia inside themselves and don't really know it. You know, they're not out on the street yelling things at people in bigger bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not like throwing milkshakes at joggers. Fat joggers <laughs> right. right? Right. Yeah, because because we just you know, and it's not it's not our fault, right? That we also have that. been taught these things. I mean, it's mm-hmm. our fault if we realize that we have been indoctrinated with these things and we don't work to to do better. But it's right. not it, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person to have grown up with these beliefs because we all did, you right. know. And right. and once you know, <laughs> then you can start learning to you know to to get rid of those beliefs. But, but yeah, we all, we all grew up with these things. I mean, I certainly grew up with, with all kinds of messages that were, you know, embedded in my brain that I've had to slowly pick apart over the years. And so there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, you know, sort of facing up to that. (laughs) And, and, you know, and business owners are just as prone to that as anybody else. It doesn't mean that they're, that any particular business owner is malicious or, you know, Mm -hmm. wants to, doesn't want fat people in their business necessarily. It's just that, and also the thing is that too, if you need a stock photo for a particular purpose and there aren't any available that are diverse, right. you're going to buy the one with the thin white person and you're going to go about your day. <laughs> so, right, right. So I get emails all the time from people going, oh my gosh, I, I found you on Google and I had no idea you existed. And now I'm replacing half the photos on my website because I have options now. 
which is great. Which is yeah. great. And do you find that most people find um, your stock photography from Google? Like, do you have you feel like you you work hard on your your SEO to make that possible? Um, I not not historically, simply because. <laughs> um, as as Mallory knows, having watched my Facebook feed, um, <laughs> um, the technical side of running a stock photography website um, is very challenging. And I'm not I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer. And so I'm just kind of clutching together what I can over time. And uh, the platform that my site has been on is really notoriously bad for SEO. <laughs> mm. So so I'm currently moving. Um, I'm hoping to to launch in November or yeah, November 2020. So not long from now. Uh, launching a brand new site on a new platform that should be much better for SEO. So, so far, most of the people who find me have found me through either the body positive community, they've run across me on Instagram or through the mm-hmm. health at every size community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I mean, honestly, all of those things kind of do also help your SEO. You know, anytime somebody, um, if you're ever included in some kind of like listicle or blog post or something else, like all those clickbacks, um, do help in general with your SEO. Um, but I did want to make a quick point when you were talking about, you know, how people are not, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. If you, if you hold these biases, you just have to realize that you have them and then work to undo them. I mean, that's something that I feel like is such a general issue with, I don't know, the world that people are, um, so defensive. People will do almost anything to not be wrong. So if they feel like they've been doing something that is quote unquote wrong, it's, you know, you really have to uh, be a person who is willing to even your own self admit you're wrong. It's not like you need to come out to the world and be like, (laughs) oh, my God, I held this belief and it's terrible. You know, let me tell everyone about it. Like just to yourself, be like, you know what? This was something that I used to think. And um, I'm now realizing that it's not great. And I'm going to work to undo that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, and it's hard. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm also, in addition to not being a software developer, I'm not a psychologist, but, but (laughs) my, my understanding is that we are very defensive about that partly because uh, our brain wants to protect the beliefs it already holds. Um, Mm -hmm. But also because even if, you know, it's, it's, it's like learning that you've been, um, that you've been standing on somebody's foot for 20 years and you yeah. didn't mean to step on their foot. Um, and maybe, maybe all along they were kind of, you know, poking you in the shoulder and going, Hey, you're stepping on my foot. But because you really firmly believed that you weren't stepping on anybody's foot, it's mm-hmm. like suddenly, suddenly realizing that you were hurting people, even mm-hmm. if you didn't mean to. So mm-hmm. you, so it's not only this process of going, Oh gosh, you know, I, I have had this belief that is incorrect or it's, it's bigoted or what, whatever, damaging. But then also facing up to the fact that maybe you've been hurting people all this time, even if you didn't mean to, and even if you didn't realize it, that's hard. Right, right. And, and, and our, you know, our brain wants to sort of protect us from that because gosh, you know, what a realization to have to face up to you. So, so people right. do get defensive and, you know, and it's, it's part of that process. And, and I do a lot of work on my Instagram with people, um, education for people who have come to these realizations about, you know, fat bodies and who are ready to move forward with, okay, now what do I do about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of one-on-one where I'm leading people up to that point. Um, mm-hmm. There are other wonderful people who do that, like Jess Baker. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. 
you know, lots of people who on sort of the body positive side who do more of that. Um, and so where I tend to pick up is, you know, people who are like, okay, I'm ready to root out these beliefs. I'm ready to start working to end weight stigma in my, you know, my own head. And also what can I do in the world? So that's where I tend to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a great segue because I was going to start asking you about so that, you know, obviously you do the photography, but you also do so much other work specifically on the Internet, specifically in this community. Um, you know, you mentioned that you you made that one ebook that is like kind of a bridge between the worlds. Um, but I know that you do much more than that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the I guess like that side of your um I don't know if you want to call it that side of your business or that side of your just your who you are as a person and what you're trying to do in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have my fingers in a lot of pies. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but I'll be honest, a lot of my activism is um, so I, I have um, some activism that I don't tend to talk about quite as much because a lot of it is is sort of privately done. Um, but I spend quite a bit of time in um healthcare provider groups uh, mm. where I where I'm a guest essentially because I'm not I'm also not a healthcare provider. Uh, today we're going to talk about all the things that I'm not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I but because um, I have uh, I have a lot of friends and acquaintances and and professional sort of colleagues who are in the health at every size community, which is a medical model for for treating people in all sorts of bodies equally. Uh, and in a weight neutral way, um, because I have a lot of friends in that community, they tend to invite me into these provider spaces. And so I have this really valuable, almost unique opportunity to advocate for fat patients in those communities. Mm-hmm. And these are people who, in general, who are already invested in getting rid of their weight stigma uh, and in in treating all kinds of patients equally. But sometimes mm-hmm. they don't necessarily like rooting that out of yourself is hard, especially when yeah. you have an entire freaking medical degree that was based in, you've had all this education uh, that was based in uh, weight centric paradigms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so rooting that out is hard. And sometimes, um, sometimes those people need, need education too, or need somebody in there who's like, okay, let me tell you how that's going to gonna come across to your fat patient real time. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so I consider that a really important part of what I do, even if you're not really seeing it publicly. Um, but beyond that, I do a lot of, a lot of stuff that's kind of, it's kind of a crossover, a little bit of like body every week I put out a, some kind of body positive journal prompt, uh, mm. on, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so, so I do, I do that. I, I work to normalize fat bodies just by posting a lot of photos of my work. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, the more, the the more that you see bodies that are like yours or unlike yours, the more Mm -hmm. those bodies become normalized. So, so it's kind of this mishmash of more on the body positive end of, you know, of here's some journal prompts that that are kind of squishy, feel good. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of things that are sort of anger driven uh, because (laughs) the more time I spend thinking about um, privilege and, uh, you know, and culture, the more I get mad, I'll be honest about, you know, the way that fat people are treated and the beliefs that we hold about fat people. And so I also talk about thin privilege and I talk about 
weight stigma. And I talk about some topics that are pretty uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of, like I said, I have my fingers in a lot of pies, um, but they do all, they all sort of tie back to the one, you know, I, I've realized that I had these beliefs. Now what? Right, right. Which, I mean, I think it's important. I think that um, being able to put that content out and also in so, in so many different ways, you know, like not not everybody learns in the same way. Not everybody um, takes action in the same way. So it's it's good to have that that variety of stuff. Um, and then I know you also started a, a a side business that was at first a box and is now no longer a box. Right now it's just a shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so for a year and a half uh, for. Yeah, from January 2019 to June 2020, I ran uh, what was called the Body Love Box, and that was a monthly subscription box that was uh, that was based on fat positivity. And mm-hmm. so, um, so there was usually some kind of zine in there. That's like, um, if you're not familiar with zines, they're uh, they're paper, they're they're pen and paper items that are uh, sometimes people will hand produce them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will print them out on a copier. And sometimes some of the ones I bought were from actually from a small press where they were sort of mm. professionally produced. Um, but they are, they're usually half the size of an eight and a half by 11 sheet, like an eight and a half by 11 folded over uh, with mm-hmm. a cardstock cover. And they are sort of indie underground. Um, a lot of them have very raw, honest, personal stories in them. Um, so usually there'd be one of those. Um, there would often be a fine art print either of my own work or from uh from a fat positive illustrator or or another photographer um and then sort of a mix of sort of useful stuff and fun stuff and when i say useful stuff it might be um uh some kind of something that's useful for your body image uh-huh. um and some fun stuff we had sugar scrubs and we had soaps and we had you know some self-care items like one time we did cool coloring pages a couple times actually and mm-hmm. uh and it was really cool and it made a real difference for the people who subscribed. But what I found is that um, subscription box models tend to be based on either thin air, <laughs> by which I mean, <laughs> but by, by which I mean, um, the companies that are running them are taking out loans to do it and they're really not financially sustainable um, mm. or they're based on exploitation. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds very dire. But what I mean by exploitation is a lot of these subscription boxes run by approaching small businesses and getting free samples from them. Right. Or getting something heavily discounted in, in exchange for the exposure. Yep. Um, and from the beginning, I decided I didn't want to do that. So everything mm-hmm. in the boxes was fair wage, living wage right. for everybody, including me. And uh, I found that I couldn't I couldn't make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I just could not make the finances work. And so what I did instead was I turned that into a web shop. Um, so it's mm-hmm. at thebodyloveshop.com. You can also get to it through my main website. Everything is is based on the central website at bodyliberationphotos.com. So you can always find everything mm-hmm. there. Um, but what I did was I decided that instead I was going to be the central point for fat positive goods and artwork. Mm-hmm. And so you can find if you need a high weight limit chair, you can find it there. Uh, mm-hmm. if you need, um, now, I don't do a lot of apparel right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mostly long story, mostly long story reasons. I'm trying to figure out how to uh, make it short. But uh, but a lot of the things that you'll find through the site are affiliate links to other websites. Uh, ah. Because I, I'm one person, I can't possibly carry inventory of chairs 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. (laughs) Or or books, you know? And so, so a lot of these are Amazon affiliate links. Um, So my job is to curate. Mm. Um, So if you find something on there, I don't know, say compression socks. Um, Mm. Those are compression socks. I didn't just Google for those. I didn't just search Amazon for those. Those are ones that fat people have recommended. Right. So everything on there is something that somebody I know has used and loved. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then there's, there's all kinds of artwork. There's fine art prints for your wall. There's, there's cool soaps. And, and again, all these things are either body positive or fat positive or created by a fat or otherwise marginalized person. Uh, and so the, the shop is really cool. And that's another thing that is sort of actively in development, but how the boxes mm-hmm. come back into this is mm-hmm. when I have time, I'm going to, uh, some of the old boxes are still on the site at clearance prices. They're really great. Uh, go check it out. But uh, but what I'm going to be doing is developing seasonal boxes where there'll be limited runs and you'll be able to go back to the site and and say, I want to get a holiday box or I want to get a summer box. And you'll be able to do that without having to subscribe. I've, I mean, personally, like this is just totally like for my own personal consumption of somebody <laughs> who buys things on the, on the Internet sometimes. I, I would much rather do that than subscription i really i'm really not a fan of subscription things like i i have a subscription for like my my menstrual products and my just like things that i don't want to think about i just want to have them come back to me when i need them but that's like to me that's almost just like almost like setting up a recurring payment for something and it just auto orders like when it comes to something like that like your box or even um just something that is yes can be useful but it's mostly like just fun um yeah i just i just never sign up for subscription versions of those things i just can't do it so (laughs) i don't either i i have a sticker subscription that i love Mm -hmm. that comes in every month Um, Mm -hmm. it's like 10 bucks um but but yeah what i also found too is that the subscription model is really hard for marginalized people right who are systemically paid less to Mm -hmm. support um, and so, so what the, the, the platform that I was using, it gave people the opportunity to skip months to skip mm. months or to, um, or to cancel and come back. And so I would have a lot of people who would do every other month or every third mm. month, just as, or, or whenever their finances allowed it, they would reactivate it. And that, right, and that right, right. of course was fine too. Um, but I just finally decided that if I can't do this at a living wage for everybody who is contributing things to the box, then it's better to do it as a limited run. Right, right, right. I agree. Um, and so now that you have it as just the shop, I mean, obviously the things that you mentioned, you know, they're, they're affiliate links and you go to the other site to buy them. But the things that were what you used to carry in the box, do you still have them and ship them out or does it link to the maker's um, shops? Uh, right now, everything that I have left in stock and some of that, like I said, is, is boxes that were overstocked mm. at the time. And mm-hmm. some of it is individual items. Some of those, the, those things are all on the site as like in stock items. Like you can gotcha. buy those directly through the site. And as I, um, right now I'm working really hard on the stock photo site to relaunch that. Uh, mm-hmm. When that is done, I'll be coming back to the shop uh, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be investing in some more actual in stock items so that you know, like that it's coming directly from the artist. Cool. I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's just there are thousands. I mean, I've got a spreadsheet already that's probably got a thousand people on it, and and I haven't even I haven't even really done any of the research. These are the people. These are the artists that I just run into on Instagram or on Facebook mm-hmm. or somebody recommends. Um, there are so many artists out there, and they're making illustrations and beautiful fine art photos and collages and soaps and perfumes and zines and just everything you can imagine. People are out there making. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now there isn't really a central place to, to find those things that's, that's truly um, kind of safe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that the shop is, like I said, everything that's on there, I have either vetted or I know somebody who has. Um, mm-hmm. If there's a book on there, either I've either I've read it or I've skimmed it or I, I'm familiar with it. You know, there there is no weight loss talk. There's no sneaky diet culture. There's no, you know, you're not going to get halfway through a book and then be bombarded with with you know, something negative about fat bodies, um, right, right. you know, and, and, and it's just a really sort of safe place to shop. And that that's really my goal. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so important. Um, so towards the end of each podcast, I asked folks, um, how they'd like to see various industries change. So I, I am going to ask you specifically about photography, the photography industry, and maybe even more specifically stock photography within that industry, but it's up to you. Um, and what, what is something you'd like to see change in, in that space aside from the general, you know, having better, more accurate representation of people? Like, is there, is there, is there something else tied to that or something else completely different that you feel like really needs to change about that? Uh, I, you know, I think I think you've pretty much summed it up in the sense that there needs to be better representation. But I want I want the industry, uh, from a client photography standpoint, I want the industry to change so that so that it becomes um, expected for a photographer to cater to a variety of bodies. I want it to mm. become I want it to become unfashionable to not do that to not be inclusive. I want it to be you know, I, I want inclusivity and, and include just respect for every single different type of body to become so important that you can't survive as, as a business and not do it. Mm-hmm. I want, I want, I want to be crowded out of business because there are so many fat positive photographers. Like if I, if I went out of business because I had too much competition in this niche, I would be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then I would, and then I would probably find another thing that had been a hobby before him, you know, in the, in the realm of body acceptance and like, go pursue that. Maybe I'd write a book. I don't know, <laughs> but, but like, I, I want it, I want it to become the norm and not the exception and the same in yeah. stock photography. I want, I want it to become, to, to be the point where, uh, we have the same proportions of images of thin white bodies that, that meet a certain beauty standard as we have those bodies in the real world. Right. Yes. I want it to become proportionate. Yeah, and that's why I always use the term accurate representation because I want it I want it to be what actually exists in the world. Right. Right. And you know, and and actually to bring this back to plus size fashion too, one of the types of client photography that I do is boudoir photography. And that mm. if you're not familiar with that, it's it's sort of saucy, sexy, it's not porn. Um it's not it's not softcore. Um, it might involve fine art nudes that are very classy and, and very sort of artistic. Um, but it's it's sort of lingerie shots and it, and it's saucy and it's sexy. And and having this for very, very large bodies is mm-hmm. really revolutionary because mm-hmm. how often do you see that? Never. Um, but but you know, and doing these photog- these photographs that are beautiful and respectful and not objectifying is a really cool thing, you know, both from a photographer standpoint and a client standpoint. But the point of this is that many boudoir photographers uh, offer wardrobe 
to their clients. Mm. And what that means is when you come in, you, you know, there's a closet or a room or racks of clothing, you know, beautiful, sexy lingerie, like really nice stuff, beautiful, high quality stuff. And you can flip through until you find, you know, the things that that you really love and that, that more or less fit you. And then the photographer might, you know, safety pin something at the back so that it fits. Right, right, but, right. But I, I want plus size fashion to get to the point where I can offer wardrobe. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, I can't, like, I have a few robes and things that are, that are around that I, that I do offer people when they come in. Um, but I make mm. it clear that I cannot, I do not and cannot offer wardrobe because the options for plus size lingerie, especially above a size 26 US are right. just, are so sad and so limited that I can't have beautiful racks of things because those beautiful racks of things wouldn't include all my clients. Right. If right. I have a client who comes in, especially with all the promises I make about it being, you know, a positive experience. If I have a client who comes in and can't find something they can wear, how, mm-hmm. you know, how, how frustrating would that be for them? And so mm-hmm. I just don't offer it and it's fine because I, I advise people and help them find things, but <laughs> before they come in, but mm-hmm. I want plus size fashion to progress to the point where I can offer wardrobe and it's just not a big deal. Yeah. That would be, that would be ideal. And I mean, and similarly to what you said about stock photographers, I mean, I feel that way about fashion brands. I mean, I think in general, the fashion industry is, you know, viewed for good reason as very competitive and cutthroat and no one wants to help each other and blah, blah, blah. Um, But I don't feel that way. You know, like I, when I consult other small businesses, um, I encourage them to get as many sizes as, as I can get them to make, you know, um, and, and try to slip in even when we're not talking about it. Like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it's this, this concept that you have where like the average person is a medium, it's actually not correct. Uh, <laughs> there are stats to prove it. So like maybe your size chart needs to be different. Um, and, and there needs to be more options, not, not less. So I agree. Um, and to close it out here, do you maybe have some positive words or motivation of any kind to someone um, who maybe is is interested in photography but is in a bigger body and therefore, you know, doesn't feel like it's a place for them? You know, with the popular advent of body positivity as a movement – uh, it's changing so many things in so many industries, and photography is one of them. Uh, because as more people, um, from the standpoint of you know, I I want to run a photography business, I want or I want to increase my skills and maybe do that someday. But I'm in a larger body. Um, there is so much market opportunity right now because the more people who become aware of the body positive movement and and start working on their own body image the more demand there is for body positive photography. Mm-hmm. And and the market is totally different from where it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there are so many places that don't have any, you know, presence at all of a body positive photographer. Um, but also the awareness that fat people or or even or even medium-sized people can do whatever they want career-wise is increasing. Um, and so I know fat people who do wedding photography. I know fat people who do, you know, glamour and do 
uh, all these, you know, family portraits and, and, and boudoir and all these, all these areas of photography um, are opening up. Mm-hmm. And, and what you might find is that if you seek out your local, you know, your local photography club, um, that might not be as representative, uh, but there's the whole internet <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> you know, come, come talk to me. I will answer your questions about what that's like. Um, you know, I'll, I will be happy to give you a little bit of mentoring. Um, and, you know, and if you want, we can do some consulting. I have a, you know, a break for that. Um, you know, come ask me those questions. Um, but really the world is opening up for fat photographers, um, because there's so much more recognition that fat people, we belong everywhere, (laughs) you know? And so, and, and, and ultimately, um, you know, photography is about the experience the client has. Mm -hmm. So if you're focusing more on the experience that you're giving the client than about being self-conscious about your body, then, then it's a lot easier to deliver a really wonderful experience to the client that just isn't about your body. And honestly, so many people are bigger themselves um, right. that, they're, that they're more comfortable with, with someone who looks like them aiming a camera at them in a mm-hmm. way that they might not be if it were someone in a more socially acceptable body. Um, so remember that your presence is a little bit of a gift to your clients or your models or your friends that you're working with. Um, and I'm not saying that that's, oh, because you make them feel better about their own body because maybe they're, they're thinner than you or whatever. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that it's very comforting to have someone who looks like you, or maybe someone who is not, um, whatever you think of when you think of professional photographer, insert mental image here, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just a person, um, you know, and I felt when I started, photographing people, I felt like kind of to make up for my fat body, I had to be super polished and super professional and very serious. And that's not me at all. And it was very awkward. But after the first couple of clients, I realized that I could just be myself and being myself and being relaxed and being both accepting of my own body and accepting of theirs creates this really amazing synthesis that makes them so much more comfortable. Mm. That's wonderful. And I think that's a great, great little um, positive and inspiring note to end on. Um, so I know you've mentioned a few times, but mention again, where can people find you and your work on the internet? You can find me and everything that I'm into, all my, all my pies at bodyliberationphotos.com. I'm on Instagram at bodyliberation with Lindley, L-I-N-D-L-E-Y. Uh, and I'm on Facebook at Body Liberation with Lindley Ashline. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindley Ashline, but I'm not very I'm not very uh, present there. So your best bets are your best bets are Facebook and Instagram. Um, I have a really awesome newsletter. I'm just going to say it myself uh, that I send out every Monday called the Body Liberation Guide, and you can also find that at the website under More at the top of the page. Wonderful, and I will hyperlink all of that in the show notes. You can just head there on your platform right now and click right through. Uh, Thank you so much, Lindley. Oh, thank you for having me, Mallory. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. 
For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks.